Hey everybody, thank you for joining me today on the Lifescaping for the Believer podcast. If this is your first time joining us, my name is Dylan Stevens, and I'm so excited that you're here. This right here is where we focus on beautifying and enhancing the life that God has given you. Beyond just calling yourself a Christian, what does it mean to walk intimately with God through Jesus, and how do we live an empowered life by the Holy Spirit? I promise you that your life on earth is so much more valuable and important than just acquiring a ticket to heaven. And though that's the best part, it's not the only part of the upward calling of Jesus Christ. So sit back, enjoy the episode, and be sure to share this with somebody who needs to hear the Word of God today. Well, we're back at it again. Thanks for joining me on today's episode, you guys. We are beginning our series on living a sin-free life. A very bold title, I know. It's not clickbait. But in all honesty, what it is, is I felt the Lord quicken my spirit to put this out there for people to be able to digest out of the Word of God. I'm going to start in the Word, I'm going to stay in the Word, and I'm going to end in the Word. Because we already talked about what it takes to have a solid foundation. After you have a solid foundation in Christ through the Holy Spirit, you're empowered and living according to the Word, you can move past the very fundamental teachings of salvation. And you can move into what I call the fullness of salvation. And Scripture is very clear that when you walk with the Spirit, when you keep in step with the Spirit, you can live an empowered life to the point to where you can live a sin-free life. I'm not saying that you can be perfect by your own doing. But you have to remember that in any time I reference living a perfect life, it's by the blood of Christ. He has reconciled me. I'm a new creation, just like the Word says. And in believing so, if you'll take these principles that I'm going to give you about living a sin-free life and put them into practice, bury them in your heart. Scripture says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And when David wrote that psalm, he was very clear up front in writing it. it, it it's not a double meaning verse. It means what it means. I've hidden your word in my heart so that I won't sin against you. And this is where a lot of people mistaken, mistakenly believe and in all honesty, they I'm not going to say they get tricked, but you listen to somebody who only preaches experience and they don't preach the word fully. And, and I'll be honest with you, a watered down version of the word with a bunch of experience sprinkled in is not delivering the fullness of salvation. It's not delivering a full message. And you know what Paul even said, be sure to 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 preach the fullness of the word, to give full counsel from the word of God, not just bits and pieces of what you want to hear. And so what does this lead men and women to do? It leads new and young believers into this mindset that I'm a sinner and I'm saved by grace. I was a sinner, but I'm saved by grace. Therefore, I can live a life that is free from sin. And if you mess up, then you do go back to repentance, but you don't make a habit of it. When you repent from something, you completely turn from it. You can't say that I'm saved by grace, but I still sin. And oh, I'm a sinner every single day. And it's just, no, you can live a life that is free from the bondage of sin. That's the whole point of Jesus coming and reconciling us is that out of the overflow of our abiding in Christ, we can actually live a sin-free life a sin-free life. And when you'll put your mindset around that 
and you'll wrap your heart around these principles that I'm going to give you that are in the word and, and all throughout the word, then you'll be able to live that empowered life and you'll fulfill your calling. And that's where people get tripped up is they get so frustrated that they can't fulfill the calling on their life and they won't nail down the fundamental doctrines and then at that point move past them. Don't forget them. There's a difference between forgetting something and moving past them. You know what? Just because, you know, I think about it in elementary school, when you get past addition and you move into multiplication, you don't forget about addition. You just moved, you move past it into the deeper and more complicated things and subjects. You don't forget, you move past. So I want you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter six, verse one. Now, when I, when I had my three-part mini-series about having a, fo- a solid foundation in Christ, this was our staple text. It was the first scripture I read when I started this whole thing three episodes ago. It says this, Hebrews 6.1, the writer says, So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead. So this means in opposition to, instead... Let us go on to become perfect in our understanding. Okay? Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds, other translations say sin, and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptism, laying on of hands, resurrection from the dead, eternal judgment, and so on. God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. The writer of Hebrews is pointing out that you can't meddle in the basics of your Christian faith forever. You have to settle them in your mind. So now that we've got those things settled, let's move into some of those deeper things. The first things that the first thing that I believe many people have an issue talking about is sin. It's easy to say that you're a sinner. It's difficult to say that I am righteous before the Father because of the blood of Christ that has covered me. I have received that blood, and now I'm seen blameless and spotless before the Father. Therefore, out of the overflow and abundance of what Christ did, I now live an empowered life that is sin-free. Satan has no bound on me. You know, Scripture says this, that these things are written so that we may know We have eternal life. So you don't have to sit there and thumb through, well, am I saved? Am I not saved? Is this sin too great? Is it not too great? No, settle in your mind that this book was written so that I can know I have eternal life. It's written in John chapter 20. It says these things are written so that you might have eternal life. You can know that you're saved. You don't have to go back to the fundamental doctrine of salvation over and over again. If you'll settle it in your heart and begin to pursue righteousness, that's the next step. And when you pursue righteousness, sin will be so far from you. It'll be far from your tent. It'll be far removed. Satan will not be able to get past the temptation part in your life. And that's, that's, that's the, the thing I want to make clear. Temptation, hear me very carefully. All right, now that we're getting into this, temptation will never cease. You'll always be tempted. In fact, Satan will continue to throw things in your path. He'll try to get you to stumble. He'll try to divert your eyes. He'll try to grab your ears. But temptation is not sin. When you settle salvation in your heart, begin to pursue righteousness which means right standing with God and man. You are righteous. You are seen as right. 
holy and blameless before the Father by the blood of Jesus. Scripture says that the old life is dead. Behold, all things become new. If that's true, then this is the first principle I want you guys to know. The first thing we have to understand about living a sin-free life is it's completely determined by what and how you believe. How you believe will determine how you live. This is the first key to living a sin-free life. And if you guys want to know where I'm getting a lot of this from, obviously it's right out of Scripture. But Jonathan Shuttlesworth is the one who opened my eyes to this entire concept. And by listening to what he had to say, among other faith-filled preachers and evangelists and prophets and teachers, and digging into the Word myself, these are the things that I believe are concrete in Scripture. Number one, how you believe will determine how you live. God will empower you to live how the Bible says that you can live. It's not a fairy tale and it's not just a book of history. It's alive and active like Hebrews chapter 4 says. The word is alive and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword and it cuts through bone and marrow, flesh and spirit. It will cut through all those things. John chapter 1, if you'll turn there with me because I want you to read these things with your own eyes. If you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 1. Verse 12, it says this, But to all who believed in Him, talking about Jesus, and accepted Him, He gave the right, remember talking about pursuing righteousness, He gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting in human passions or a plan, but a birth that comes from God. Let me read that again. But to all who believed... How you believe impacts how you live. And accepted Him. He gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passions or plan, but a birth that comes from God, which means you have God's Spirit on the inside of you, living and alive and active and leading. And if you'll press into that Spirit, backed by the Word, it will change how you believe. Matthew chapter 5, 48 says, Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, if, he would have, if, he, if that verse would have said, Be perfect, period, well, then we got an issue because we can't be perfect. We can't. Our sinful nature put a halt to that and dropped us off a cliff when Adam sinned. When Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, being perfect went out the door. But it says, As your heavenly Father is perfect. What's he obviously pointing to? Jesus said in, in John chapter 1, says in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Well, who's the Word? Jesus. He is the good news. So because of what He did, what He came to do, and what He more importantly accomplished, He now delivers to you. So on behalf of Jesus and in Jesus' name, you are perfect. You are seen perfect by the Heavenly Father. So what does that give you the authority to do? I want you to track this with me. Because of what Jesus did... You have the right to live a perfect life. I'm not saying that you in yourself are perfect because you're not. In fact, without Jesus, you are, Scripture says that we're like filthy rags presented before the Father. But Jesus' blood cleansed those rags. Would God ever give us something to do without the power to do it? That's a better question we might ask in this. 
would God ever give you something to do without the power to do it? He said, be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. So if he's giving you something to do, then he's going to give you the power to do it. And he sent Jesus to cover us in his blood. He sent the Holy Spirit to walk alongside us as our helper, our comforter, our empowerment. And if you'll, if you'll press into that, these scriptures are here for you. It's written so that you might know, that you might know that you have eternal life. Now, let, let me just go a little bit deeper with you. In Matthew 5.48, it says, Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. The word perfect there is translated perfect. A lot of people will try to tell you it translates to maturity or translates to, to some other things. No, I looked it up for myself and you can do the same thing. The original Greek language is a word called teleos. Teleos. And in the Greek, it literally means fullness, complete, perfect. <laughs> Hallelujah. Fullness, complete, and perfect. That's what it means. That's the original Greek language. So it's not a double meaning. It's not a misquoting or mistranslation. It means be perfect. So now you tell me, if this is what Jesus is saying, written in red, plain as day, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, then where does that leave us? Let me put it this way. It is difficult. In fact, I want you to write this down. It's difficult to hit a small target. If you're in archery or, or you're playing darts on a board, it's difficult to hit a small target. I'm not saying that living perfect is easy because there's a process that takes place. You have to renew your mind daily. The word, the word of God says that you have to present your body as a living sacrifice. And you know what's funny about that is that sacrifices were killed before they were put on the altar. They were slit, the blood was drained, they were put on the altar. If you put a live animal on the altar, it's going to run away. But funny enough, we are called to be a living sacrifice, which means you have to fully submit onto the altar every single opportunity you get. You have to resubmit yourself under the blood of Christ. And as you begin to do that time and time again, it will become second nature to where you can be a constant living sacrifice covered in the blood of Christ. You're living but Christ's blood was shed for you. That's why you're called to be a living sacrifice because the bloodshedding had already taken place. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. My word, this is good. I hope you guys are getting something out of this. So as I was saying, it's difficult to hit a small target, but it's impossible to hit a target you don't have. If I lived my whole life saying, you know, saying that, that I'm just that everybody's going to sin and every day, you know, how I many you know that, that Satan will tempt you and, and every, you know, you're not going to win every single battle, but we get back up and we try again. You'll fail time and time again. You want to know why? I, I have lived that before and thank the Lord. He pulled me out when he did and he gave me this revelation to now give to you. I don't care if it's alcohol, if it's pornography, if it's adultery, if it's lying, fornication, I don't care. Scripture says that there's no temptation that is, that, is, that is not already common to man, which means you're not a special case. You sinning and falling into sin is not new, it's not special, it's not warranted, it's not uncommon. It's difficult to hit a small target, but if you'll renew your mind daily, 
Romans 12, 2, don't be conformed to the world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's difficult to hit a small target, but it's impossible to hit a target that you don't have. If this revelation never came to you before today, now it has. You have a target. doesn't matter how small it is. Pursue righteousness. Pursue the deeper things of God. Don't settle with being a low-level Christian where all you're concerned about is getting one toe across the line into heaven. I don't want to live I don't want to look back living my entire life saying that well, I repented every single day for all the things I did, but I never amounted to much, but thank the Lord that I repented just enough to get into heaven. You know, like when you stand before the Father, is that going to be the account you give for your life? Well, I repented a lot. Good for you. <laughs> what did you do with the life I gave you? That's the question that you'll have to answer. What did you do with the life I gave you? Paul says, don't abuse the grace given to you. Don't abuse the grace that God has given to you. Though we're living in the year of the Lord's favor, meaning that he's not counting sins against people's life, that doesn't give you the right to abuse that. His wrath was settled on Jesus at the cross. But you cannot abuse the grace of God. So, a couple things I want you to write down. Number one, how you believe matters. So the first thing that you, I want you to settle is that there is a life I can live that is free of sin. Not temptation, not perfection in my own trying. But by the blood of Jesus, sin will be far from me. That's got to be my mindset. Because as you'll separate yourself from sin, you can walk in a way that few people will ever get to walk. Because you're not clouded by the world. Don't create snares for yourself with your tongue. That's the first and most important thing. Scripture says that from, from, the, from your mouth pours life. That what you say, you'll speak into existence. If you tell yourself that you're a sinner, you're going to sin. It's, it's common sense. What you speak over yourself will come into pass. Don't create snares for yourself with your tongue. Watch every word that comes out of your mouth. <laughs> Hallelujah. Your mouth will get you in more trouble than most people care to ever realize. What's your daily confession? When you get up in the morning, is it constantly, I'm tired, my job sucks, who's going to do this, how am I going to get this done, where's this going to come from, how am I going to reach my goals, and all these different just negativity just, blah, 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 just pouring out. And all you're doing is creating snares for yourself. You're literally setting up the devil on the one yard line to score. Because you're setting yourself up. Don't create snares for yourself. Constantly reaffirm who you are in Christ. Thank you, Father, that I'm a new creation in Christ. Thank you that you're transforming my mind into the image of Christ. Thank you, Lord, that you set an example that I can follow. Thank you that I'm empowered, that faith overwhelms my life. Talk like that every day. Talk like that. Second thing, there's only two ways to live, sin-free or sinful. It's not both, it's either or. If you're not pursuing a life that is free from sin, you're going to live a life full of sin. 
Because you'll either ignore it or you'll press into it. You're either going to ignore the people like me who say there is a way that is higher than what you're living right now. It's a high calling. Like I said, it's a small target. Very few people care to chase after it. But what the, the most important thing is having the understanding of a solid foundation in Christ. Then I have the opportunity to pursue these deeper things. I can't do it in and of myself. I thought I could put it off, but I can't. I want you to go to Romans chapter 8. I want to talk to you about a few things. I was going to wait and talk about this in, a, in, the, in the next couple episodes, but I just can't. So I'm going to finish with this, okay? Romans chapter 7. So, Paul's writing to the Romans. I had this scripture wrong for so long. I heard it preached wrong. And I started to, to force my ears to listen to the correct interpretation. And I'll tell you what I mean because there's scripture to back it up. So, I've heard this verse abused time and time again. It says, I don't really understand myself for what I want to do what is right. I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree with the law. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It's the sin living in me that does wrong. You hear time and time again, people preach on this that, oh, well, how many of you know that what I want to do, I don't do. And what I don't want to do, I do. And you know what? That's just, that's just the way it's going to be because we're, we have a sinful nature side to us, right? Wrong, 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 wrong. Paul was writing this from the perspective of a non-saved person, someone who was in the world. And I'll prove it to you. Verse 18 in chapter 7 of Romans, it says this, And I know that nothing good lives in me. That's already false, because if you're talking to a believer, Christ lives in you, and He's good. That is in my sinful nature, which is before salvation, because Christ said you are a new creation after I've got my hands on you. It goes on to say, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is right, but I can't. Philippians 4.13, you guys probably know this one. I can do all what? All things through Christ. So, do these verses contradict each other? Because they do if you hear a lot of modern day Christians talk about it the way they do. Well, what I want to do, I don't do. And what I do want to do, I don't do. You know, and they just go on and on with the same repetitive nature of verifying their sinful nature. But no, it's not right. Paul's talking about someone who has yet to receive the blood of Christ. Someone who is a non-believer who is outside of covenant with God. I want to do what is right. You see, every person, even an unsaved person, has a moral compass. It may not be that strong. Some are stronger than others. But there is a, there is a deep down moral compass that says, I probably shouldn't murder. I probably shouldn't do this. I, I, I want to do something better. I don't know how. And they, this is the mindset of an unsaved person. I want to do what is right, but I can't. That's wrong if you're talking to a believer. Philippians 4.13 corrects it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The next verse says, I want to do what is good, but I don't. First Corinthians 10, 13. I want to do what is right, but I don't. <laughs> the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow temptation 
to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So if, if, is Paul, like, is Paul a nutcase and is he crazy and he's writing two different things to do two different people? No, he's not. But it sounds like it if you're not looking at this verse correctly. I want to do what is good, but I don't. Well, <laughs> you know, it's crazy because if you're looking at this and you're reading both scriptures side by side, you're sitting here going, okay, Paul's saying two different things. But he's writing from the perspective of someone who is not in covenant with Christ. After he reads all this, Romans chapter 8, one of the most important chapters in the Bible. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. So now the script flips and he's talking about those who are in Christ. He says, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save you because of weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his son in body like, or excuse me, in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in the body of God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Hallelujah. I hope you're hearing me, you guys. Number one, living a sin-free life is all based on what and how you believe. This isn't a game, you guys. I'm telling you, I've read all the scriptures in association with this, and it points to one thing. There is a way you can live. It's not both that sometimes you sin and sometimes you win, sometimes you don't and sometimes you lose. No, it's I can live a sin-free life or a sin-full life. It's not both. So, last point, and then I'll let you go for today. What you magnify in your life will magnetize more of it to you. What you magnify in your life will magnetize more to you. When you look at what Jesus did, and he, con he combined a couple things several times in his ministry, he would heal someone and say, you are healed, now go and do what? sin no more. He didn't say sin less. He didn't say go and try to be better. He didn't say go and don't get sick again. He said, you're healed. Sin no more. It's not, it's not, it's not hard to miss. If you'll just solidify the firm foundation, go a little deeper and say, father, reveal to me what it looks like to live from this point on. I don't want the milk. I want the meat. I hope you guys stick around for the next couple episodes because we're going to get into this thing. I've got eight points. You just heard the first one. How you believe will determine how you live. Now go and meditate on it. And we'll talk about the next few in the next couple episodes. This may be a several part series, but I told myself I was going to make these episodes a little shorter so that you can listen to them on your day, on your drive into work, drive home from work, when you're sitting at your desk, when you're Whatever it takes to get these in, I want them to get in. Sometimes an hour-long podcast is intimidating. I love you guys. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I love you. Thank you for the revelation of living and abiding life in you. 
I refuse to water down what Jesus Christ did on that cross. Thank you that we can live an empowered life by the Holy Spirit to a degree that supersedes what so many Christians are are willing to tap into. There is a level we can live at that will blow the top off of what we could ever imagine. Your word says that what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, there is something great that we can grab onto, and I pray that we begin to grasp it now. In Jesus' name, there's power in the blood. There's power in the name. We thank you. I pray a blessing over the next few episodes and a blessing over this one to all who hear it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. I love you guys. I'll see you in our next episode.